5.9 FM, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Leafs taking seven of a possible seven, uh, ten points over their five-game road trip. Longest of the season. Nice to get it out of the way in October. Won't be as difficult as that. I mean, they will travel further away. They're they're going to Sweden very very shortly don't, in November. Don't don't I'm don't get mad. To stay Stop. on they're, task. They're, they're gonna play eight o'clock in the morning hockey game. No, and and also not on a Saturday night. It's mm-hmm. so good. I'm yes. so happy for they the people of Sweden. It's great. Friday Sunday Sick. in Sweden. Sick. Friday games two o'clock. Yeah, two and honestly, just what everyone in Leaf Station wants: a two p.m. <laughs> Friday game, eight in the morning on Saturday, and just for good measure, eight o'clock tomorrow night. For some reason, yeah, I don't know. That's a, a home game. I don't understand. That's an ESPN thing. I guess it, they get it, their brothers. There, there's one of two things, and it's yeah. Cowtown to America. Either mm-hmm. way, that is so the Kings don't have to start at four thirty, which I can. <laughs> I could, that would make me so much mm-hmm. more mad. That's. One of the advantages you get as an East I, Coast based <laughs> hockey team when the Pacific based yeah. hockey team yeah. comes to your city, yeah. they're, they're all messed up, and you're messed up when you yeah. go there. It's how you don't, she you works. don't acquies, acquiesce to their time zone, but you even do, a little bit. But you do to America mm-hmm. and ESPN for sure. Well, now, is, now you know is, how Canucks fans feel when the Leafs go into yeah, but, Vancouver and play seven o'clock must, hockey night in Canada games. It must be stated: the Leafs are not the Canucks mm. unequivocally. Mm-hmm. No way, shape, or form mm-hmm. are they the Canucks. Mm-hmm. Don't treat them that way. You know what? The Canucks love Sweden. Send them over there. <laughs> They've been over there, haven't cool. they? Cool. Send them again. <laughs> they love their Sedins. It's oh, my, Patterson. Oh, I, send I, them over. I, I blame myself. I, you I, did this. I, I was ready to have a nice conversation <laughs> about Bertuzzi or whatever. Whatever no, you're going to do. Take Fraser me. Minton. Oh, right. Fare yeah. thee well. Uh, four games. I so, cannot, even I cannot get angry about this. No, four games, a couple penalty minutes, uh, had three shots on goal, uh, averaged uh, 11 minutes, 26 seconds on the ice, uh, won almost 50% of his faceoffs, but mm-hmm. yeah, did, did, was just not worth keeping around, obviously, in that position. And they, I, the first sign of of any roster manipulation removed him from the lineup. And when you got a 19-year-old kid who's got a bright future, you don't have him sitting in the press box. I, I don't know that that is totally ruled out. I think the, the second injury is what ultimately punched his ticket home. I think this is where this was trending, but I don't think they would have had any quibbles about having him hang around for a little while longer. It's tough for me to get too upset about the way this was handled because I think everybody saw the writing on the wall that Fraser Minton probably was not going to emerge as this gotta have him in the lineup every single night. Mm-hmm. And finally, your solution at 3C. I know you wished you had yeah, Ryan you O'Reilly did. that he'd taken the money and that you didn't have to pay David Camp again, but... It's too scary here. Yeah, no, Fraser Minton that's the future of of the position for this Leafs team, and I, I I mean that was possible, but I don't think it was probable. And uh, you know how I know because like Brad for a living was kind of hedging his bets at the outset, and there were a lot of lot of ideas being thrown around yep. when it came to the three C starting with William Nylander. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, for uh, six minutes. <laughs> so look over here. I, I, I'm not, like, one, I'm not surprised. And I'm not, I don't think, like, the player's development has been hampered or anything. No, or God, no. it, it, Yeah. But it is, it, it does, it feels a little sloppy. Like, it, I don't you know. Really? I don't, I don't think anything of it. Look, is, would he have rather been in Kamloops this whole time where, uh, I'm sure everyone cares about this, the Blazers have three wins in 15 games. Would that have been more fun for mm. him? I think it's been great. This has been the best October 
of his life. Maybe got to go on the road trip. Got to go on the road trip. He did not get to uh, go to, and we actually might get to see pictures of it because the team's winning games right now. He did not get to hang around for the Halloween party. uh, I imagine. I don't know. Maybe they let him stick around for one day for it, but that's, I don't think the team sent him away because they thought that this was the right time to do it for his development. I think they just ran into roster crunch, salary crunch. And I don't, I personally have no issue with the way this was handled. I think maybe you would have liked there to been a clean opportunity to get him back in one more time. Because again, I think if they were, if they didn't have to do this, they wouldn't, but we saw enough that it wasn't a, it wasn't going to be someone who over the course, slowly of a season worked his way on best case scenario is that this guy is running away with a job at camp next year. Go back, get traded from your bad cam loops team to somewhere good, play in another Memorial mm-hmm. cup, go play on a world junior team. All that stuff matters. And most importantly, and not that Frazier Minton's thought of in the same light, but don't have a Shane Wright year. That was sloppy. Mm. That was nasty. He's playing in Coachella Valley, and then he's over all over the place, and he's back to the OHL. He gets swept in the first round. That was just a disaster year from a development standpoint. And that's not even the kid's fault. He just got bounced around all over the place. This is better. So I, I like it. It's fine. It just, it to me, speaks to the lack of of clarity when it came to a pretty significant part of the lineup, 3C. Well, I mean, yeah, that's their that's their Max Domi, Tyler Bertuzzi choice, right? They pretty clearly need a Klingberg on the back end, and if they wanted to prioritize the center, they could have instead of the yeah. two wingers. Well, they did. I mean, they tried, they, they tried to sign Ryan O'Reilly. He didn't take the money. Gambrell, remember him? Yeah. yeah. Ryan O'Reilly wanted to, to come to work in flip-flops, which I get. I get. I understand. I probably would have been no Bertuzzi. Yeah. That's... I. That's a trade yeah. I'm willing oh, to make. Oh, yeah, would do. <laughs> All right. Let's talk to our pal, Gord Stelic, uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Leaf analyst. How's it going, Gordo? Good, Ben. Real good. All right. What, what do you make of the Fraser Minton brief uh, NHL I- experience? Um, he came, he conquered for a bit, and he's gone back. So, I, 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 you know, we talked about it a couple times, and, and he had a real strong, you know, training camp. you got to do the eyeball test. And he performed extremely well in Traverse City in the rookie tournament. And just to pick up on the conversation you guys were talking about, they're trying to figure out depth ideas at center. Obviously, one is, you know, William Nylander was one they tried. Maybe it's one they go back to down the road. I, but, you know, the way he's playing right now, you probably don't change things. And so they, they gave him um, a long look. You see Potra, what he's doing in Boston, sometimes a guy, I mean, O'Reilly was a guy that came up as an underage when he was the second round pick with the Colorado Avalanche years ago. So, you know, sometimes particularly on a really good team, a player can get acclimated and and come up maybe a a year earlier and fill the void. So I don't mind them giving him a try. You know, I'm glad they didn't force it, didn't say that, okay, you know, it's kind of rough, but he's going to turn it around. Uh, Obviously, if he was going to be a fourth liner, he's far better off back in junior. So I was okay with it. He never, he never really got his legs and made it, made a show in the regular season at all. So it was the right move to make. Yeah. Just what the world needs is uh, Boston finding some more forward depth uh, with this kid looking like he, he's going to stick. It's just, uh, of course, of course they would, right. As it seems like uh, the legs are about to fall underneath them with Bergeron <laughs> and Gretchen. Of course they, they find uh, another one. Uh, Gorge had a great article in the star about Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about him spurning Toronto, him not wanting the, the market. I mean, you've been here a long time. Are you surprised that that story kind of got out to the extent it did? And, you know, I'm sure you're not surprised by the fact that some guys just don't, don't, want the spotlight here or whatever way you would you would phrase it 
Yeah, well, you know, Brent, yeah, the latter part is is correct. I've I've seen, you know, it's not for everybody. And uh, but I, I was surprised. I mean, we weren't close to the O'Reilly situation or family situation that uh, it seemed like a, a dream come true. And he does talk about positives about it. I mean, the biggest negative hockey wise was, was he was hurt for such a large chunk of it, kind of like Nick Foligno a few years ago. You know, you come over in, in that kind of role and not able to uh, not able to perform due to health reasons. So I, I had thought that, or I think a lot of us thought that, okay, we could understand St. Louis more so if he went back to where what had been his home the last couple of years. But, uh, yeah, to the point, I mean, they also talk about uh, the O'Reilly camp on the business side, that that four-year offer came from Nashville um, sooner than Toronto, that Toronto wanted to kind of wait and, you know, figure things out a bit and the Nashville jumped first and quick and he went with the sure thing, but uh, it, it was in a, in a perfect world. If Toronto was going to offer him that, cause they, they've never, the understanding or the belief is he would, they would offer that. Maybe they wouldn't, maybe they wouldn't offer the same term or whatever. So he went somewhere else and, and yeah, the challenge is about filling that other center role and, you know, last night he did the kind of thing for Nashville that you'd hope to see him do more for, be able to do more for Toronto. But, you know, it's in the spilt milk category. You guys were talking earlier that you did find the money then to sign the Bertuzzi probably the, and, and you know, on a better term as well, one year rather than, than four. That's That still may end up being a rich commitment for Ryan O'Reilly a few years down the road by Nashville or whoever was going to do it. But uh, that's the way it played out. And obviously in Brad Living, we think he's going to look to upgrade the D at some point. Uh, by the trade deadline, which is a long way away. And the other option now is um, looking at depth at center is another consideration. Yeah, it's a lot of areas to, to improve your team. They, they were able to accomplish <laughs> it at the deadline last year. We'll, we'll see if it, it happens again this year. I mean, they're already in a situation where they, they feel very thin on the blue line. That was a, with a fully healthy blue line, which is not fully healthy right now. Like, And I understand some, like William Langston, a guy that was brought in as, as minor league depth, but was there is there enough? Um, you know, outside of the, the, the top six defensemen on this team, is there enough professional defenseman depth for this team if, you know, even if it's a couple of games that either a Jake McCabe or a Timothy Lilligren are required to miss? Well, I think there is, Ben. And, you know, you look, I mean, you look like Tampa Bay right now was seeing if they could go internally without making a move goaltending-wise in the absence of Vasilevsky. And so far, so good. And, you know, Ben, you know, Brent and I talked about it last year quite a bit that there was that, there was that time where the Leafs lost their top 3D, right? That they were uh, all out at the same time, led by Morgan Riley and TJ Brody and, you know, those those injuries. And uh, that, to me, was the litmus test because if they went in a, a tailspin then, uh, at the time, Kyle Dubas would have had to do something. But they they withstood things and the depth came through. And I still think, for now, they're they're capable to do that. I mean, the fact you want I mean, every, every team, pretty well every team, uh, going into the playoffs or thinking they have a chance – for the Stanley Cup are looking to add depth on D because you're hoping to go deep. But I think, yeah, early on, I'm not worried about the attrition part about having injuries and not being able to withstand it. No, you're you're not. And, you know, it's funny. You mentioned the, that run, and we did talk about it a lot. Uh, another thing we've talked about uh, a ton over the past couple of years, Gord, is John Tavares and how it's, weir- it's a weird thing to say, but somehow the ter- the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs having a point streak to start the season, coming off a year where he scored the overtime winner to finally get them over the hump, feels like an under-discussed story. You know, whenever it's not going well for Tavares, it feels like there's high beams on the issue. We can't run away from it. But when it's going like this, uh, it does feel like sometimes we we forget to appreciate it. Uh, if you, And I know you're, you're in lockstep with me thinking that way. Uh, what have you made of Tavares' start to the year, Gordo? 
Yeah, and, and you, you know, and you bring up a good point that last year, I mean, we think so much about the second round of the playoffs because it was so uh, so lacking. But the first round, you know, finding ways to win and John Tavares coming up with key goals and playing a key role. So uh, it's it probably the year before was a bit more uneven. So it's nice to see again. He's got that number eleven fixed to him, affixed to him about eleven million dollars in salary and takes up a big part of the cap. So. You know, you're looking for that. The, the the big four flat out have to get that kind of contribution. And I, I uh, again, I love his two-way hockey. I love the fact that he's good. He's great in the, the greasy areas. I always re- really enjoyed watching him play that way when he was with the New York Islanders. So it's 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 a team uh, that should have no problem in the regular season, should come first in the Atlantic Division. I mean, and you know, based on that kind of talent and, and so far so good with – whatever the key players are uh, led by John Tavares as far as, uh, you know, playing at minimum as well as they should be, but uh, him playing even better to start the season. Yeah. And we'll see the, their first matchup against the Bruins this week, uh, but the Bruins off to a ridiculous start uh, to the year, especially defensively. So yeah, John Tavares off to the same point streak that William Nylander is off to, but obviously, yeah, William Nylander looks like one of the best players on planet earth right now. Uh, are we at the point Gord where, you, you maybe we're, we're beyond William Nylander having those those in-game lapses or like the 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 whole game lapse. Like, where are you as far as the consistency we've seen out of William Nylander? Yeah, you know, Ben, I always kid about it that it's kind of William Nylander is kind of like you got a you got a good kid, but he never cleans his room, so you always focus on he never cleans his room. You know, and you go, yeah, but he's a good kid. He you know does all these other kinds of things. But I think uh, looking at it objectively, that each year it seems. Uh, that's become less and less, whatever, whatever those things are, where he seems to disappear. The um, I, I, it's more being streaky. I, I, I less inconsistent, but a little more being streaky. And it's like a lot of players, when you see them full blown and the kind of talent they have, it gets frustrating when you don't see that all the time. And, and, you know, and, and that's not easy to do all the time, but in the Ladder's case, I know Mike Babcock, he was kind of a, uh, a pet of Babcock about at times and being in Babcock's doghouse because of that. But, no, he's he's really been uh, he, he's a pleasure to watch. He really is what he's playing William Nylander hockey. He's been doing a lot of it, and I've seen last yeah you know, whether it's maturity, whether it's commitment to the two way part of the game. I, I've seen his leadership grow as well. So yeah, each year each year it's got it's got better to some degree, and this year's no exception. If Nylander is the kid who doesn't clean up his room, then Mitch Marner has got to be the the teacher's pet, and especially if the, the teacher's Nick Kiprios, then we know definitely uh, teacher teacher's pet there. But uh, what have you made of Marner's start start to the season? I mean, he has seven points in eight games. I'm not going to sit here and say it's been underwhelming, but does it not feel like it's been just a touch underwhelming from him at times compared to the other big four? Yeah, I don't know if the right word, Brent's underwhelming, but I know what you're talking about. Like like you know, let's say if they've been there for a while now. These guys, they're not kids anymore. So the wow thing's long gone about all of them because we've got used to see what they can do. And Mitch Marner's been a two-time first-team All-Star. I mean, well, you know, what what more can you do than that? Uh, so, so yeah, if you're getting a little bit picky, you know, as far as, say, compared to Nylander, compared to Matthews and Tavares, you'd say uh, that statistically – you know, Marner's probably the uh, least honest game as far as the stats go, but uh, it's and and probably fewer of those take yourselves out of the seat moments that he seems to have. You know, two or three a game since he joined the Leafs and found his groove a few years ago. But I'm all good with it. But right, if you're kind of uh, assessing it, but 
if you're, hey, you know what's like if you're in a certain class, if you're a teacher's pet, you know, you mm. could have kind of an off exam and you, you still get the A. And, oh, yeah. and you know, El Gordo and Ben and Ben and Brent are struggling for a B minus. You know, so <laughs> I just so I uh, so certainly uh, uh, he's always going to be a a pet or someone. They understand like they're all different, right? And he's been a more in the past sensitive about things getting out there about social media stuff. And I mm. think I think there's a lot more perspective on that and handling it. But certainly, yeah. A couple of years ago, with some of those bad playoff losses, it seemed uh, it seemed to be taken more personally than I thought it actually was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking about the interactions with the media, Brent kind of we brought it up. We didn't discuss it earlier. That Elias Samsonov has kind of been upfront with the, the the struggles he's had mentally this season. That it hasn't been the easiest start for him, obviously. From a statistical standpoint, um, and not no like egregious goals, but yeah, your your National Hockey League goaltender, you're you're supposed to stop, you know, more than than one shot in four, uh, allowing three goals on four shots. Obviously, not acceptable uh, in a hockey game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. What what do you make of him being upfront with the the idea that maybe his confidence isn't at, at an all time high? Like we saw this with Jack Campbell a little bit, and it got to an extreme in that regard. Um, do you appreciate the honesty? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. But, you know, it's funny, Jack Campbell, like, I really uh, appreciated him as a player, respected him, but, geez, he took the blame all the time. Yeah, Igor Shosturkin in New York said he feels, looking back last year, he put a little bit more pressure on himself mentally and, and, and put more pressure, on unnecessary pressure on himself. I don't know if Samsonov is feeling the same. I mean, we talked when we talked last Monday, I mean, Joe Wall had made the difference in coming back and tied Tampa Bay and winning that game in overtime. And then Monday against Washington, again, wall makes a difference that what the caps out shoot the Leafs like seven, nothing and 12, two or whatever it is early on. And, and uh, they win a game that they're outshot by quite a bit. So I, I liked his honesty. I thought he played better on Saturday. You, if you get picky, you could say maybe that first yeah. O'Reilly goal was one not you, you want to have back, but you know, all in all, it, it, it was a positive experience. He's not, he's not being the, the, the decider in games one, like so far Joe Wall's been, but uh, you put in context how he played for the bulk of the regular season last year. It it was a positive. I think it's interesting. You go back. I, I did like that the Leafs were unafraid to go to arbitration, whether it's Samsonov or anybody else. That it's a process. Business is business, and uh, and they went and, and the number got the number that was decided somewhat in the middle. But hey, it's whoever. Again, every time we'll talk, we'll always reference game number 83 and about what goaltender, have a goaltender, hopefully maybe more, but one anyway, that is uh, on his game when the playoffs start. Mm-hmm. And he was in goal for those uh, six games against the Lightning in the opening round last uh, season. Uh, they got them past that first round uh, bump that they had been un- unable to, to surpass in 20-plus years. Gordo, great stuff as always. Talk again soon, pal. Yeah, you take care, Ben. You take care, Brent. See you, man. Uh, Gord Stelic, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Leaf analyst. This is the the, the risk you run when you, you take, well, um, a guy who uh, obviously wears his heart on his sleeve and mm-hmm. can be impacted by outside forces. You take him to arbitration. You don't give him the oh, extension that he wants. On, Some, sometimes on. that's going to impact his, or the idea that it might impact his performance was probably not unexpected. The lack of a long-term contract, I can hear, but... Yeah, this is part of business in the NHL. And guess mm-hmm. what? If he makes a save or two, he's not like it's and it's not go make 15 saves he haven't made this year. It's literally that. Let's make one or two saves that he hasn't made this year and we're not having any of these conversations. This was the way it 
had to be handled for this player. He is openly talking about his lack of confidence. You yeah. could not give that guy yeah. buckets of money yeah. and long-term security. Well, but it's also, like, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, it's a guy that's talking about lack of confidence. You're like, here's a thing that's going to give you less confidence. We don't have as much confidence in you. <laughs> we're, we're not going to... So, so I get it. Like, I, 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 know, I understand. And that's so, now, such having, as the life of a professional athlete. I was going to say, having said that, you do not want to hear how bad the show would be if there was such a thing as radio arbitration. Oh, my God. Could you imagine <laughs> sitting across from our boss and him going, no, no, yeah. not the air check where I tell you, you're so great. I yeah. love the show. Look yeah. at what we built. They yeah. say, you suck. Come yeah. in here. Yeah, that would be. That, no, dude, I don't want to undermine what mm-hmm. that would do to a person. But guess what? You're in this world. You're in that realm. You got to deal with it. And let me counter my own point, too. Okay, yeah, do it. Because so, I like the other point you're about to make better. Uh, it was a really shot in Freudy. But um, this is a guy that was a former first-round pick, Washington Capitals, mm-hmm. and then they said goodbye. Yes, like, they did. I mean, what, what, is, what is more devastating to your confidence than a team who has as much invested in you as the Capitals did in Ilya Samsonov? And you're right, they broke up a core of guys that maybe, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, there were outside of hockey reasons that, that they moved off of Ilya Samsonov. But also the performance was like, for sure. Not up to snuff for a guy that, again, when you draft a goalie in the first round, you expect big things. Anyways, they decided to let him walk for nothing. You signed for less on the open market. And what did he do? He had the best year of his entire career Mm -hmm. with the Toronto Maple Leafs over the 82 games, whatever amount he was healthy, and then leads them to a first-season, postseason series victory. So, yeah, he's capable of doing it even without the confidence shown in him by an organization. It's just... It's hard not to put two and two together. A guy that's been open about, yeah, getting too excited, getting too nervous to face his former team. Mm-hmm. That has talked about a lack of confidence and and thinking that maybe that has something to do with the offseason he just had. Yeah, I also think that giving him buckets of money doesn't guarantee well, no. anything. So and, I know you're not yeah. saying that. It's just it, it has to be said that this is really the only way. Even And I guess the thing is, is that this is kind of a conversation for Samsonov and his agent or Mm -hmm. his goalie coach or his wife or whoever he can talk to about these things is, you know, I need these people in my life to say, hold, how did you think this was going to play out? Because come to Toronto, have a good year where he performs admirably in the playoffs. But I don't think anybody looks at that and says, oh, there's a proven Vesna guy. That was a good stepping stone year. I don't think anybody in his world, not in Toronto, maybe in an organization that had less at stake at this time, if he would have done that for the Ducks, maybe they would have said, well, not the Ducks because they have John Gibson, but the Sharks. So they say, all right, fine, here, have your four times five. Mm -hmm. That was never in the cards with Toronto. Throw in the fact that the GM changed this summer. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand the frustration he feels if he thought he was going to hit a home run with the Leafs, but that home run was never coming until after the Arb year, or at least as part of the Arb negotiation. So he can be as upset as he wants, and I'm not not saying that flippantly. I I don't take that lightly. I understand that. But even in a rose-colored glasses version that he he could have envisioned, I think this is kind of how it was always going to play out. Yep, it is. Um... And the Leafs, boy, I guess came close to, I mean, not giving Jack Campbell five by five, but like they were in conversations with Jack Campbell Thank about a long-term extension, God. right? Could you imagine that they were guy in... walking his cat down <laughs> Bloor Street right now? <laughs> yeah. 
how, how do things look with Jack Campbell locked up at something close to the term he got in Edmonton? Not, just, not, not, not so good. Just apologizing profusely, <laughs> taking out. Do you think he would have stepped up his game to take out full page ads yeah. in the papers of just I'm sorry mm-hmm. with an image of the puck going by him? Yeah, it's just they're NFL running backs, these goalies. Unless that, unless you got the elite of the elite. No, but even even then, it's like mm. Derrick Henry's not like he's still very good, mm. but he's not Derrick Henry of two mm. years ago, the way we talked about hey, him. Hey, maybe the Leafs have one of the elite of the elite. Yeah. Joseph Wall. He's maybe. been one of the elites of the elite. We can uh, dream. He he has shown the last he's year shown people enough to dream. Yep, 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 yep. All right. Time now for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. A great Canadian deciding to retire from the National Hockey League, a future Hall of Famer, Joe Thornton, taking to Instagram shirtless. Shocker. (laughs) I am shocked. To say, like, oh, yeah, obviously I was retired. People keep asking me. Well, yeah. And I should add shirtless, but maybe other thing less too, because it's just like chest up, right? Like, would you put it past the old naked stroll from Jumbo (laughs) while he's delivering the news? Maybe, yeah. He's like, I'd never got a chance to score the four goals in the hockey game. If he would have have done that to end his (laughs) retirement video, truly, truly the greatest. Uh, 44 years young, Joe Thornton, like I said, uh, future Hall of Famer three-time Hart Trophy winner. Leaf legend. Uh, I mean, he, he was a legend in the respect that he, he was a content machine and and really did feel like, yeah. I don't know, a heartbeat is too much of a, too, too strong a term. Yeah. But yeah, he was, as it some, some much-needed levity, I guess, during a time where they needed levity. And uh, Were you a believer when it first happened? Did you think it was going to go... I mean, I think I think even the people who thought it was going to go bad thought it would go a little better than it went. But did, were you someone who had highish hopes? I'll, I'll fully admit I bought all the way. Oh, the guy's best passer of his generation. Yeah. He's got a huge frame. He's going to find Matthews. And, I mean, Matthews didn't have a problem scoring that year, but no. it wasn't because of Jumbo. No, I, I, I got to say, I had very tempered expectations yeah, for a 41-year-old Joe Thornton who was coming off a 31-point season in 70 games for the Sharks the year prior. But yeah, he's, again, going to be regarded as one of the all-time greats. He, he stuck around for, for as sure. long as he possibly could, which, again, I put myself in, in the position of a pro athlete making the many millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And you you have a whole lifetime to to spend yeah. Golfing. Yeah, golfing. It's, come, it's not beat around the bush. Exactly what we'd both be doing. Retired. He's, yeah, still retiring much younger than most people yes. in the world get to do so. So I get it. Yeah, if you can play at 42, 43, totally. you, you take every opportunity to do that. Um, I'm sure Joe was very open to, to playing again this season if there were any takers, and understandably there weren't. No, definitely. This will put a a fine little bow on how old Joe Thornton is. I was uh, playing a little road hockey in the driveway with my Mm -hmm. kid this weekend. Yeah. And the wood stick I was using from the, I think, 2004 World Cup of Hockey with a Joe Thornton curve on it. And that thing weighs 37 pounds. (laughs) No wonder I'm so jacked now. (laughs) Nice. Uh, I am not jacked. Just thought I should throw that in there. Uh, Fairly well, Joe Thornton. And, And maybe we'll see him in media. I don't know. Mm-mm. That feels like a one-off a year. Like you, th- you think Joe Thornton signed enough to go sit on a desk three times a month? I yeah. don't. I, it seemed very sunny where he was, which yeah. I imagine is Northern California. Yeah. All right. Uh, enjoy retirement, Joe. I'm sure he will. All right. What do uh, Brett Rippon, Jaron Hall, Tommy DeVito, Mitch Trubisky all have in common? 
that they were all starting or not starting <laughs> okay, quarterbacks. I have all to say this. Quarterbacks yesterday. I genuinely thought you were revving up to do a read, and these were all comedians I had not heard of at no, some point. No, I they, really did think that was happening. They played. Uh, yeah, I in know. The NFL. Trubisky threw me off. That was like, wait a minute, not Mitch Trubisky. He's doing stand-up. Jared Hall's like going to be a quarterback the rest of the season, right? Like, it, yeah, Tommy DeVito. Dude. Tommy DeVito. How many people were aware Tommy. of the existence of Tommy DeVito before this season? No. I mean, the I DeVito family. No, I don't. I don't even think he was just walking around like one of the. What am I? Are people real? What dimension <laughs> am I in? That's the level of of unawareness we all should be about Tommy DeVito. Well, the the quarterback position is in dire straits right now. Um, the New York Jets are above five hundred. There's a lot of takeaways from Week Eight of the NFL season. We'll get to them and more next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet five ninety. The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. So, like, I mentioned all those... That who's who of NFL quarterbacks before the break, uh, Brett mm. Rippon, Jaron Hall, Tommy DeVito, Mitch Trubisky, yes. who all got into football games yesterday and are going to play various levels of import to their respective football teams the mm. rest of the way. I didn't even include, like, Will Levis, who'd like, oof. That's a real guy, though. Yeah, that is. That's what I mean. Okay. Gardner Minshew? Like, he's a known no, commodity. Gar- no, Gardner Minshew. I, as a member of the fraternity, have to ride for him at all points in time. PJ Walker? No. He, well, I'm not saying no. I'm just saying I do not ride for him in the same way that I ride for Gardner. Taylor Heineke. Uh, is it, is it like, again, like known commodity? Like, it's like, yeah. I, I'll tell you what. You're not depressed to see him in a no, football game. I'll tell game. you what. If our, if our guy, Andrew, was filling in for Josh today, he loves the commanders. And obviously, Heineke's had some nice run there. I would say yes if he was here, but not today. And Tyson Bajan. Like, so, again, okay, him, let me just him, run. I'm, I'm Those all are in quarterbacks on. that played yeah. this weekend. Brett Rippon, Jaron Hall, Tommy DeVito, Mitch Trubisky, Will Levis. Again, like, I'm separating yeah, Will yeah, Levis because, like, now Will yeah. Levis is the future yeah. of the quarterback position okay, in Tennessee. Hold, hold on. Okay. Uh, Gardner Minshew, P.J. Walker, Tyson Bajan, Tyler Heineke. Or Taylor Heineke. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Taylor, but, Tyler, who cares? Yeah, it, it doesn't. Um, And I, I, I guess it's just, like, a weirdo conflagration of things that are happening at the, because there's there's so many rules in place to keep quarterbacks healthy it's yes. not like we need more <laughs> what, what are we supposed to do like what actually need- make it two-hand touch on the quarterback it's just yeah it's football and, and guys get injured it, it sucks that did to, to have the most important position mm-hmm. be as bereft of starting talent like it is right now but the, what are you gonna do it also sucks that Nathan Rourke this of all is- the names that we've seen there that Nathan Rourke can't get into an NFL game? That's the rule that has to be changed, is that if my sweet Canadian prince, <laughs> who I've interviewed in this time slot before, again, friend of at least my show. Can Nate, I? Can I but can, he's from Oakville. Like I, yeah, oh, I we, you live very close to him. You don't think we talked about this, man? Yeah. I talked to, believe me, I was like, yeah. I'm a Burlington guy. Mm. So, yeah, we're all, he's friends with us, okay? He, mm-hmm. he is happy we're riding for him. But seriously, there's Tommy... DeVito, something <laughs> called Tommy DeVito yeah. played in the NFL. Couldn't get the job done, shockingly. Yeah, Tommy DeVito. <laughs> I, we're all floored by this. 
My man Tyson Bajant, fresh out of the Drew Locke school of hilarious quarterbacks to me personally. But Nathan Rourke can't get a spell. I know part of this is rules and is on the roster. I understand. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is remarkable. It was just a bizarro day. Now, I'm not going to pretend to be a big-time expert on 80s quarterback play, but I wonder if this was like a throwback day because every team in the NFL seemingly was wearing their throwback uniforms yesterday. So I wonder if they just wanted to go back to oddly named like 70s, 80s quarterbacks because I feel like there used to be much more of that. So maybe it it was like the sports gods deciding there needed to be more of that at play for a sport that all that matters in the world. And again, yes, there are things that separate elite teams from each other, but job one. Have a guy under center who can go win you a game or keep you afloat. For that many names of that caliber to be bandied about, it's ridiculous. It's not quite when we had, oh, I do remember his name, Kendall Hinton, the wide receiver playing quarterback oh, for the Broncos right. a few years ago. That was during ago. the COVID season, Yeah, I actually right? had, a, I had a teammate of his from college on the day after, and I remember asking <laughs> him about it, and even he said, this is wild. I cannot believe it. So even teammates of that guys uh, could not believe it. But yeah, this has been a thing kind of going back to COVID of these guys. Be, mm. And it's so fun. Era of quarterbacks until right now. Yeah. Because if you would have had this conversation, the very beginning, you got Allen, and you got Herbert and Mahomes and Burrow and Congrats Jackson for picking up his first NFL hey, victory too. Looked like a sentient being. Mm-hmm. I, it, he had a moment that we all said, oh, mm-hmm. they did actually see something to make him the first <laughs> overall pick. It's not just on. He's hard to see, too. He's, he's so, so tiny. tiny. He's magnifying glass. But, yeah, I just I cannot get over that that many guys played yesterday. God, again, so NFL season is, it is a week-to-week league, and you, and you can have, you can have, overreaction takes that are relevant because mm-hmm. they only play 17 games, but now they do play 17 games yep. and the season is so, so long and okay, so why? many takes that you have early in the season yeah. become so irrelevant later yeah. on. Like, just, with the, like We're only halfway through and yeah, there's already so many takes that have evolved. It's weird. I don't disagree with you, but if you would have told me that something got longer by a fact, like it's just like it's one just game. one game longer. No, I know. Why do, why do we all talk? Oh, and I'm yeah. not, I'm not, but it's true. Like, I'm not at- absolving myself of this. We talk about the NFL like it's mm-hmm. seven years long each mm-hmm. season now because they added one more. But game. doesn't it feel no, like No, you're that? not wrong. It's just I mean, it's, it's amazing. The Niners a couple of weeks ago were just putting the absolute screws to mm-hmm. the Dallas Cowboys, rendering the Cowboys completely irrelevant yes. and asserting themselves as not just one of the best right. teams in the NFC, but not in wrong. all of football. Like it, just an unstoppable killing machine. You're not wrong. They're brutal now. <laughs> They're horrible. Brock yeah. Purdy is like on the hot seat all of a sudden. Yeah. And and yeah, the team that they just lost to, the Cincinnati Bengals, is like, yeah, okay, Joe Burrow's banged up a little bit, but the, the problems go beyond Joe Burrow. Let me tell you, this is not your father's bank. No. No. No, like you get a bye week and Joe Burrow gets a chance to get healthy and he looks exactly like Joe Burrow. And would you put it past the Bengals to be matched up against a a Chiefs team that lost to what we thought was one of the worst teams in the NFL? Oh, but Mahomes was sick. Yeah. Yeah, he had the flu, I guess. Okay, we got to have a conversation about that. What? Well, you know, I'm a... I'm a bit of a hater. I know this doesn't shock everyone out there listening. I'm a hater too, so we got to work on this. We Mm. can't both be haters. Okay, well, I feel like for some, I I feel like by some divine miracle, we actually hate all the opposite things. Okay, that's So I think we we hate everything in the world, but we can also tolerate it depending on the side of things. But it has very much irked me that from seemingly the second Patrick Mahomes learned how to walk in the NFL, everyone goes, oh, this 
This new Patriots man, honestly, what him and Reed are doing there, he's mm. going to go on this Brady run. And he's going to go on an amazing run. Him and Andy Reed have already, already accomplished been on so an amazing much, run. And they're going to have another incredible run like this. But, but... If you're going to be the elite, the face of the league, oh, come on. you can't every time there's a bad game. It's never Patrick Mahomes fault. Oh, his receivers dropped a bunch of passes. Oh, he's sick. Oh, he has a boo-boo. Oh, he has a sore throat. If you're going to be the face of the league and the guy at quarterback who can overcome all this, because that's the other comparison we've heard made so much this year. Of, oh, this is like those Brady years when he didn't have anybody to throw with. Okay, let's see if it's like those Brady years at the tail end of things it is just such a high bar that hey maybe it's not Patrick Mahomes fault he never came out and said I'm new Tom Brady he just let everyone say it about him that you can't, you don't get to just excuse away every game every time the guy doesn't look remarkably incredible they have won five or they've made it to five straight AFC yeah, championship it's games it's been an they've incredible made run made it to three Super yes. Bowls winning two of yes. them and that was their first road loss in division in Patrick Mahomes' and, entire and guess career what? and guess what you could just say he lost the game we don't have to all bend over ourselves <laughs> well like, oh I, he's sick oh Patrick I Mahomes do need it's not an ex- his fault I, it's not every day you see Patrick Mahomes running for his life and then running into his own offensive line every single time there is a problem with that chiefs team it is never put on him and you I'm know not why that, because it's not okay, his okay but guess what if you're that guy you overcome problems you paper over which things, he's done which he's done but that, he, i mean he had a high ankle sprain in the playoffs and won a super bowl yes and then yesterday he has a bad game <laughs> against the broncos yeah. in division broncos what do you do have three wins you, all you of take sudden. care of yourself what you're supposed to take care of business in your division See, who's a real hater here? You, yeah, no, please, you think you're on my level of hating? <laughs> no, dude. I hate that you think you're on my level of <laughs> no, hate. No, no, that is elite level hate. If you can hate on Patrick Mahomes, who had won 16 straight over the Broncos, yep. Mahomes had never lost, again, a divisional game on the road with 16-0 headed yeah, into yeah. yesterday. It's all very had impressive. Had never lost a game to a team, at least two games under 500. He was 25-0. Going into that game, if you can hate on the first time he's lost a game of that magnitude, well done. Like, that is that is something I can only aspire to. Oh, well done. 9.30 in Germany on Sunday. I have, will never be rooting for the Dolphins, who, <laughs> who, who by the way, also think are frauds. Yeah. I have never been rooting for the Dolphins. Buddy, everybody's a fraud. Yeah, I know. I, th- there is definitely something to that, but actually just from my own narrative's uh, perception, if old Vape King himself, mm-hmm. McDaniel and Tua, uh, are able to outduel Patrick Mahomes, but actually it won't matter because everyone will just go, oh, it's in Germany. It doesn't have any receivers. No. Taylor Swift well, wasn't there. The, the, the excuses are going to start flying in for you that know game what? too. You know, you, you know what, Takey, yours is aging nicely? Is mm. you're, you're, The Eagles are the only good team in football. And I know the commanders always yeah. give them a run for their money, but they, they, they picked up the victory. That's all that matters now. Like, that's your dad's football. No, that's, that's what I, I've learned, right? Like, it's just about victory. It's not about how, it's just how many. Keep and, stacking wins. I mean, you just have to tell a Jets fan that because mm-hmm. <laughs> they almost lost a football game to a team who had negative seven passing yards. Um, and in the dying seconds of the football game, emerged with their only semblance of offense throughout the, the course of the entire football game and now find themselves over 500 and tied on record with the final playoff team Mm -hmm. in the AFC with every single week, seemingly Aaron Rodgers looking closer to flirting a a quarterback. Like he's moving a little bit. He's planting a little bit on on that foot. And he wants us to see that. Of course he does. And 
I don't know, maybe there's something to the rest of his team understanding that that's a possibility, spurring them on. It also helps to play like a horrible team. Yeah. And again, Tommy DeVito, like it does. That, Tommy. <laughs> that helps, but it's. Tom, you're a, you're a man. You man. Pay, you're an adult. You pay taxes. Well, now it's Tom. like. Okay. Remember the the first Pat McAfee interview that Aaron Rodgers did, and he's like, "Well, I tried to scrape them all from my mind, but I, yes, yeah." And he said, "Hey, it's not to say that this team would be three and zero now, but like maybe we'd be three and like how much different does the record look yeah. at this point with Aaron Rodgers as opposed to Zach Wilson? Now, now it's again not how, but how many? Yep." Like that this is a this if Aaron Rodgers was the court was the quarterback through seven games this season and the record was four and three, we'd be saying, Yeah, it's okay, maybe not the best start in the world, but yep. that's not out of the realm of possibility. No. no, not at all. And yeah, it's it is remarkable. If he's able I'm it's funny, right? Like motivation obviously spurs people on. I don't think anyone's ever been more motivated not to play. Like I'm sure he's motivated to do that, but it's to tell us and He'll loop in Dr. Fauci, how wrong everybody was in that. That is the thing he, like, his Super Bowl will not be winning a Super Bowl should he play. It'll be coming back and getting to tell everybody, yeah, I did it my way. Um, I'd just like to thank you for giving me credit on the Eagles, and we will not be revisiting this for the next five to six weeks because they have the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Bills, the 49ers, the Cowboys again, the, then the Seahawks, which maybe aren't looped in with there, but a respectable. Seahawks now lead the division. I was going to say, a respectable football team for sure. So it is a gauntlet they are about to run here. And if they are the true one football machine, like I, I think they're going to rip off a bunch of wins in that stretch. And But man, it is a gauntlet they have ahead of them. Again, takes change so much over the course of these first eight weeks. The Minnesota Vikings were one and four to start mm. season. Four and four, but now without Kirk Cousins, yeah. yeah, who tears his Achilles. Maybe they're the Tannehill trade team. Well, here's it's so <laughs> funny, man. It's so funny. How they, many, can you imagine the Vikings trading for a quarterback? I know. After all the discussions we had about Kirk Cousins being traded out of Minnesota and and what a fit he might be in New York if they're the team that is most active in trying to acquire a quarterback. But that being said, I do feel like we've we we talk about the trade deadline is tomorrow, by the way, in the NFL. Four o'clock. Um. We, we we talk about the trade deadline in the NFL and acquiring a quarterback like it's like it's the other sports right. that it can really be yeah just plop them in it'll be fine I mean tell me the circumstance <laughs> where it's ever happened no you can't you know I can't because it's never happened like it just you I, I understand like talent is talent and 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 throwing an accurate pass is is throwing an accurate pass but there is so much that goes into being an NFL quarterback and mm-hmm. changing systems and being acclimatized to a, a new team. It's just like in season to have it happen. It just, it does not happen. No, it doesn't like think the names. It's your Teddy Bridgewater types that they mm-hmm. get moved and Hey, I got a lot of time for Teddy, especially if he doesn't get hurt at the beginning of his career, but that's the the kind of level of guy, not your, you know, your Kirk cousins, however you feel about him. He's a little higher up on the pecking order. All right. Time now for the wake and rake presented by sports interaction your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. Should we start with the NFL Monday Nighter as the Detroit Lions now feeling a little more comfortable? Not with, I mean, the Vikings winning the football game. With a healthy Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. that would have been an interesting final nine games of the regular season, especially with the two head-to-head matchups in the final three weeks of the regular season. Uh, the Packers look like one of the worst teams in all of football. They're bad. Yep. And the, the Bears are one of the worst teams. In <laughs> Sorry, Tyson. <laughs> all, all of the NFL. So, like, the pressure is way off the Lions. 
Um, but they, at times this season, have looked like a legit contender in the NFC. They are hosting the Las Vegas Raiders and seven and a half point favorites at home. The total 46 and a half. I, I like the Lions, man. Yeah, I, I, I got to say the, the the Raiders have been in need of a total teardown rebuild for a couple of years now. The, the, this Lions team has had its moments where people have been talking glowingly about them and then they've stubbed their toe. I, I think they're still in the upper rung of NFL franchises. If they are, they should win this game by more than a touchdown. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I don't know if you're – the money line is just way too much juice to lay there for me. So I think if you're going to take them, you got to take them to cover. Uh, the other thing I would look at in that game is the under, and it's not because I don't think the Lions can't score, but I think the, their defense will bottle up the Raiders pretty good, and then maybe it's a kind of more subdued, controlled game. So I think that's how I look at that one. Uh, Raptors are hosting the Blazers on Sportsnet 590, the fan tonight. And in a must-win game decided by me, they are seven and a half point favorites at home. But Brent, oh, you know what to do. (laughs) This is, I mean, it just keeps hitting and hitting and hitting. Eventually it won't, but the total 217 and a half. How do you not just keep riding the wave of the under with this Raptors team that is one of the best defensive teams mm-hmm. in the NBA, it should be stated. That's the more glowing way to talk about their continually yeah. going under the total, but also one of the most inept offensive teams, especially in the half court. They got up to 25 points in the first quarter against Philly, and I was quaking in my boots there, but oh, don't worry, our Raptors came charging back to make sure that rock fight went under. Even the game in Chicago that went to overtime, the under still hit there. <laughs> I think you were super, super confident taking the under. It's a 217 and a half. Honestly, if you want to move that number somewhere else to get even better odds, I wouldn't I wouldn't think that's crazy to do that. So yeah, give me uh, the Raptors under 217 and a half. Uh, and we got the pivotal World Series Game 3. World Series Game 5 tied at 2s is the most pivotal, but this is also pivotal, okay? Mm-hmm. It's tied at 1s. Uh, as the series shifting to Arizona, the Diamondbacks blowing out the Rangers in Game 2 after blowing the lead in Game uh, 1. The Rangers with Max Scherzer on the hill it's a diminished version version of Max Scherzer, but a guy with plenty of postseason experience uh, are the favorites as uh, they are on the, on the run line minus one and a half uh, runs at plus one fifty. but actually money line. This is a, a, a coin flip, both teams minus one ten with Brandon fought on the mound for the Arizona diamondbacks. The total here is nine, man. I, I, I'm this is maybe this is a happiness hedge. Because I don't think anybody that likes watching baseball in the the that can hear the sound of my voice right now wants to see Gabriel Moreno hoisting the commissioner's trophy. But how do you bet against the Diamondbacks at this point? Mm. Again, against a Max Scherzer That's that I'm hasn't at. looked like his dominant self coming off injury. And I know the, the training wheels are off and he's apparently going to be uh, allowed to throw upwards of 100 pitches in this game. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing for a Rangers team that yeah, th- doesn't exactly have the depth in the bullpen to cover him only lasting three or four innings. Yeah, and Fott's been good in the in the playoffs as well. There's been a couple times where he's kind of bumped up against it, not wanting to come out of games there. But yeah, I, I think that's uh, for sure the play there is to just take the, the Diamondbacks on the money line. That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. All right, when we come back, boy, did the Edmonton Oilers need that victory yesterday outdoors against the Calgary Flames. Um, our next guest was there for that. We'll talk Leafs with him as well. David Still Amber. Still out. Yeah, <laughs> David Amber 
jump on the red eye, and then get a jump on the radio next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.